Like Let's that. great reset the show. I'm, I'm a professional <laughs> broadcaster. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gons as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Crime News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is September 21st, 2020. This is episode 245. And today, the Great Fraud Reset. And I'm your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to the podcast where we love Jesus. We love you. We're trying to learn to love ourselves and also very difficult. Loving our enemies. So hard. (laughs) So hard to do. When all they're doing is economic fraud and, you know, <laughs> scamdemics and all that kind of stuff. So many things. So many <laughs> things going on, Gons. Well, we're back starting an, yet another week that will fly by in the blink of an eye. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. No new, uh, no news to report in, in on my side. Uh, oopsies. Sorry. I had Twitch playing there. What about you, Gons? Anything new going on? Uh, I had several people message me and tell me, first off, I, I woke up with a crank in my neck, so please mm. pray for my neck to not be so painful. Uh, okay. Also, I, I got an email from my father, my uh, a couple people that I used to write books with and stuff. I guess mm-hmm. Gonzo was like the word of the day a few days ago. Ooh. And uh, yeah, it came up in a quiz. And so the question was, Gonzo, or word genius, as an adjective, what does Gonzo mean? Your options were big-hearted, bizarre, bilingual, or biblical. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. I, it sounds like they all apply. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> but uh, the correct answer is bizarre. Yeah. And fortunately, I'm a, I'm a weirdo. That's basically what they're trying to say. <laughs> and uh, the official definition of Gonzo was of or associated with journalistic writing of an exaggerated, subjective, and fictionalized style. Yeah. Bizarre or crazy. Thanks. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, see, everybody <laughs> thinks that I'm the weird one with my big googly eyes and... You know, just general demeanor, but it's right there in your name. I know, my You're the weird one. Let it be on record. (laughs) I am the normal one of the group here. Yeah, at least uh, Johnny Depp played a drug addict of of gonzo journalism. Yeah, um, it was uh, Hunter S. Thompson, the the classic. Classic. (laughs) Classic gonzo journalist. All right. Well, sounds good. Should we just jump right into the the the, 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 the story here? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Flippy update. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? Okie dokie, folks. We're going to be uh, getting some news here from thedailypress.com. But just so you don't if you don't know, now you know, uh, Flippy is the colloquial name for the disembodied robot arm that is taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and flirting with our spouses. We use Flippy as a, a, t- a touchstone to talk about how robotics and AI are moving into our lives, whether we like it or not, and what we can do as the resistance. 
but I'm over here at dailypress.com. Yeah, that, uh, if the there's op- ever was a phrase or a word that was sort of co-opted during the last election cycle, it's the resistance. I know. I know. It really is bugging me, just the means resistance. You're a, just means you're like a Democrat against Orange Man. If you're I the know. resistance. It used to be, you know, you could say you were part of the resistance loud and proud because it meant you were going to fight the time traveling robots from the future. But now it's a whole new thing. Anyways, moving on. The article is titled During Pandemic, More Workers Being Replaced by Robots. New study finds. A new study, Guns. Don't <laughs> yeah, worry. The new study was listening to full scale scientific study to uh to confirm what i've been saying all along i know and that is this quote no not quote the article reads the coronavirus pandemic is accelerating the trend of robots replacing humans in the workplace which could result in a recovery from recession that nonetheless costs jobs according to a new report workers whose jobs can be done by machines suffered more layoffs per capita than those with jobs that aren't as easily automated the federal reserve bank of philadelphia said in a report released monday very suspicious how the federal reserve bank is the one coming out with this (laughs) i know People of color were especially harmed, possibly because of their concentration in service jobs at risk of automation. The report noted that most job losses during the health crisis are expected to be temporary, yet cashiers, hotel staffers, parking attendants, and others are at risk of permanently losing work if companies become satisfied with labor-saving technology, or if fears over future pandemics convince firms to stick with machines. The report added that previous recessions resulted in technology replacing laid-off workers too, leading to, quote, jobless recoveries. There has always been anecdotal evidence that the coronavirus has exacerbated job losses to machines. Besides harming business balance sheets, COVID-19 has forced companies to limit contact between customers and employees. The result has been hotels replacing humans with self-checking kiosks, meatpacking plants deploying slaughterhouse robots. Ah! (laughs) Slaughterhouse robots. I don't like that. And call centers using artificial intelligence to hold conversations. The study specifically cited the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission, which went cashless and laid off 500 toll workers. Quote, policymakers need to rethink how to improve the safety net for workers abruptly displaced by the pandemic, who also face an imminent risk of being replaced by technology, as well as how to prepare for the complex workforce transitions ahead, the report said. The study by economist Lee Ding and Julie Julieth Sainz Molina compared automatable jobs such as shuttle drivers, retail uh, salespersons, and bank tellers to occupations at a low risk of being taken by robots, including nurses, plumbers, and teachers. Workers with automatable occupations lost 4.2 more jobs per 100 than the low-risk workers As of August, there were 2.6 million jobs nationwide at risk of permanent automation last month. At risk of permanent automation. Last month, the study said, the Philly Fed 
found that automatable jobs held by workers of color were particularly hit hard, suffering 5.1 more job losses per 100 jobs than those held by whites. 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 A possible, yeah, this is kind of a weird way to put it, but okay. A possible explanation could be that blacks and Latinos are concentrated in jobs that can be done by robots and can't be done at home, such as food service or customer service. The report said, quote, pandemic-induced automation is also likely to to exacerbate many pre-existing racial and economic disparities. The report said, quote, the jobs threatened by automation are not evenly distributed across society. If the coronavirus crisis becomes a prolonged economic crisis, many jobs could be permanently taken by machines, the report warned. It noted that something similar happened during the years-long recovery of the Great Recession. Quote, the actual impact of automation thus could be either relatively modest or quite serious. <laughs> oh, great. Great. So insightful. <laughs> Relatively modest or quite serious. Ultimately, depending on when the coronavirus can be uh, contained and how firms and the government respond to automation technologies, the report said. So there you go, Gons. A lot of pa- a lot packed into here. Uh, first of all, we got to racialize uh, robots taking jobs. So, you know, automation is racist. We know that now. We've always known it, but now we know it um because of science and uh also you know given a lot of the other topics we're going to talk today talk about today i think it's important to kind of keep this flippy update in mind throughout the episode um because it's kind of connected to the great reset the great financial new world order global reset uh that was obviously instigated by the coronavirus pandemic um, but automation's a big part of that, and so we'll be we'll be seeing more of this, Gonzo. Yeah, we definitely said when the first, you know, the coronavirus first started its quote unquote breakout, and you know, NBA shut down and they started shutting everything down. Uh, I think we went on record uh, on Canary Cry News Talk and said mm-hmm. like this they're going to just pump out the robots because i mean we were i think we were talking about some of this stuff even before the new year because there were kind of smatterings from china that something had broken right. out blah 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 but we were saying like oh this kind of thing if it spreads they're just getting ready for the robots to take over and and you know the financial infrastructure was already shaky a lot of the uh, if you looked at the what they were doing last year with the repo markets they were printing right. money to to keep the the banks liquid, you know, stuff like that. So they were already doing things that were like, okay, this is pretty shady. It's all going to fall apart. And uh, this is uh, one of those moments. Called it. <laughs> and the Fed, I like how the Federal Reserve, right? Was it the Federal Reserve yeah. of, yep. of uh, or Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia? They had to do a report to to come up with this. It's like. Anybody who's paying attention can tell you. Just listen to Canary Cry News Talk. You don't even That's have to do problem, a That's the problem, Gons. Nobody is paying attention. <laughs> I guess. The only people paying attention are listening to this show right now. I know. So anyway, uh, I think that the bankers realized, oh, shoot, our bank, our, our tellers can be replaced by robots. Or maybe they're like, yes, our tellers can be replaced by robots. You know, <laughs> maybe it was the other way. I mean, tellers were more or less replaced by robots m- many decades ago. Sure. The automated teller machine. Uh, sh- yeah, the ATM. Yeah, sure. But I, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Either way, banking is a big part of uh, the entire reset in general. And there is no flippy without 
some kind of economic shift to uh, to pay them basically but also robots are racist i think that's kind of the, <laughs> the, the takeaway here it's true we've known it for years i know those botists um let's see oh yes i'm Updates. for the robots yeah yeah i'm for the robots uh real quick before we go into the updates just uh forgot to mention this here the watchman igniting the fire it's in a couple days here for the virtual conference uh my presentation is ready to go and if you go to hear the and you decide to uh participate uh you can use shimura 20 that's s h i m u r a 20 to get a discount for hear the watchman Wow. uh whoa hold on here the yeah, watchman.com yeah, so exciting come on now. yep come on yep. everybody Just wanted to let y'all know and uh okay so let's get into some of some of the uh, updates we interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update by the end of this timely interruption you will be thoroughly updated you know we were saying it's kind of a, a somewhat of a slow news day only because there hasn't been like crazy news mm-hmm. always feels like you know everything's breaking news Uh, But this story was out at the end of last week, and there's an update here. And I'm going to pronounce this thing wrong because I haven't actually heard anyone talk or say it like in news media. Uh, But this is uh, NBCNews.com. Suspect arrested for allegedly sending ricin. Ricin. Oh, it's ricin. Okay. I knew I was going to say it wrong. Ricin tainted letter to White House. Ooh. Yeah. Washington. A woman suspected of sending a letter containing the deadly poison ricin to the White House was arrested trying to enter the United States from Canada. Two federal law enforcement officials said Sunday, an FBI spokesperson confirmed the arrest and said the agency is continuing to investigate the suspicious letter. The federal law enforcement uh, official said the woman was taken into custody while traveling across Peace Bridge, which connects Fort Erie, Ontario and Buffalo, New York. Another federal law enforcement official said the suspect was detained by Customs and Border Protection's agents. Additional information about the arrest and the suspect was not immediately available. The FBI said Saturday that it was investigating a suspicious letter addressed to President Donald Trump that had been intercepted. Uh, It wasn't clear when the letter was sent out or where it was intercepted. Law enforcement officials said Saturday that the poison, which is highly toxic and can cause organ failure and death, was detected at an off-site facility that screens mail across or addressed to the White House. So, uh, yeah, I, I get the feeling that th- this isn't like the first time this has happened. Where, oh, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird that it's in the news. And I don't know if it's a sympathy thing for Trump or, you know, just trying to show how the the you know the protections or the yeah. mail protection of the White House still works or what. Right. Uh, yeah, I would have to imagine that, I mean, if you think that you can address a letter to President Trump and that he will actually open it, <laughs> you just have like a fundamental misunderstanding of how the world works. I know what I'll do. And I think this was from Canada, too. So maybe there's an extra layer of, you know, just right. not knowing exactly how it all works. But, uh, you know, I got to say, uh, my only touchstone to ricin, and I'm sure a, a, a big portion of our listeners touchstone for ricin is uh, it played a, a role in uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, OK. I didn't watch yes. Breaking Bad. There's so a whole arc about ricin ah. and Breaking Bad. Oh, maybe. Oh, there you go. Maybe they watched the show and they're they were inspired they got the idea to do something yeah yeah and i think I, it comes from some sort of beans or i don't know or rice i can't remember are they ricist 
<laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So there you go. I mean, again, it was kind of made a big deal, but it's always funny to look at Twitter and see all the people, you know, <laughs> talk about the, the certain uh, side of the aisle say, you know, oh, I wish Trump would have opened it and sniffed it right out of the envelope. <laughs> and then the other side saying like, see, everyone's trying to, to kill Trump. Yeah. That, yes, this is technically an assassination attempt. It is. And, you know, I would imagine that he's had quite a bit that we just don't know about. Uh, oh, yeah. Every president has some kind of crazy person going after him at some point, I'm sure. And we just mm-hmm. don't know about it. You know, it's not declassified unless it, you know, uh, a bunch of people see it in public or something. But yeah, uh, hopefully this doesn't get used, you know, with the all the talk about the Postal Service right now is crazy, not just with voting, but the digital dollar wallets going to be managed uh, by the post office. And now, you know, some the, an assassination attempt for the president coming through the post office. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be part of a more sort of elaborate long term play that's going on here. So oh, I'm going to sure. say that out loud yeah, and then yeah. we'll see what happens in the future yeah nothing is on purpose or nothing is on by mistake when it comes to these types of stories and right events even uh but there's another big news over the weekend it's gotta be biblical of course uh rgb passed away finally mm-hmm. supposedly i know all the theories right. about you know she was maybe gone for a while which mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me one bit but this is the WashingtonPost.com. Who is Amy Coney Barrett, the judge at the top of Trump's list to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg? And uh, it says here at the top of President Trump's list to replace RBG on the Supreme Court is U.S. Circuit Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett, a jurist in the mold of the late Antonin Scalia, who fulfilled Scalia. You know, Scalia. Wasn't he shot? Didn't he get shot? No, no. He, he suffered beat? a heart attack in uh, Texas, but there's a lot of theories um, about, uh, you know, having it, having that been an assassination. Oh, okay. And I think there was rumors that he was found with a pillow over his head. Oh. <laughs> Died of a heart attack, but had a pillow over his head. Who was the know. one that was beat with the baseball bat? I don't remember. Anyway. I have no idea. Uh, it might have been one of the, anyway. Uh, okay, so Scalia, Scalia, who fulfills nearly all criteria on conservatives' wish list. At 48 years old, Barrett could hold the lifetime seat for several decades. Trump's first two nominees to the nation's highest court, Neil M. Gorsuch and Brett M. Kavanaugh, are in their 50s. Trump's justice will potentially replace one-third of the Supreme Court for generations. Why is she at the top of Trump's list? A devout Catholic who is fervently anti-abortion, Barrett appeals to Trump's conservative base. But Republicans also hope that uh, for moderates such as Senator Susan Collins, her gender makes her a more palatable replacement for Ginsburg, a feminist icon who spent her life fighting for gender equality and also allowing for the murder of millions of babies. That's just my commentary there. Uh, Trump considered Barrett in 2018 to replace retired Justice Anthony M. Kennedy, but reportedly said he was saving her for Ginsburg's slot. And it kind of goes into some detail here, but uh, the part that everyone's freaking out about was trending on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, What would be the impact of Barrett's religion on her rulings on such issues as Roe v. Wade? During her confirmation hearing to the appeals court, Barrett said in a role she would, quote, 
follow all Supreme Court precedent without fail and would regard decisions such as Roe versus Wade as binding precedent. Quote, hmm. I would never impose my own personal convictions upon the law, she added. But Democrats pointed to comments she had made at Notre Dame years before about being a, quote, different kind of lawyer. She said we should always remember that a, quote, legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. Dun, dun, dun. So everyone's freaking out. You know, the lefties are all freaking out. Hey, we don't want a theocracy in this country. Right. And it's like baiting the, the people on the right saying, hey. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> do we do? I think. But, you know, the more uh, I think people that follow in our vein are saying, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, because, of course, cause, <laughs> well, it's a straw man is the thing. Like, right. Just because someone <laughs> has a certain belief and is in some sort of power doesn't mean it's a theocracy, people. I know. Well, yeah. But, yes, it's another one of those switcheroonies you need to be. Well, everybody needs to be careful of because, yeah, if you take the bait and say, we do want a theocracy yeah. that'll set up a dangerous precedent uh, for the future. You know, one of the f famous sort of uh, transitions from uh, democracy to theocracy, al although it wasn't a democracy. But, you know, I when you see those uh, pictures in uh, of what was it? Was it Iraq or Iran? I think it was Iraq um, from the 70s. And it looked almost exact. It was like completely Americanized, you know, mm -hmm. bikinis and, uh, uh, you know, Western haircuts and skyscrapers and cars, American made cars. And then uh, just a few years later, it became a uh, an Islam theocracy. And that's how we got to where we are today. So, right. Um, yeah, so, plus, yes, of course, it's a concerning thing, I think, for everybody in general. And again, I, I personally uh, will go back to my original thoughts about theocracies, which is you can't legislate people into heaven. You can't right. legislate people into the kingdom of God, you know? Yeah. So, and I don't know, just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, well, yeah. The reason why I was trending on Twitter is, is a lot of nonsense. Uh, but just for, for clarification's sake, from at least my position, I, I think you're kind of in line with me here, Basil, with this. Uh -huh. But when I hear kingdom of God, I go back to the Bible. It mentions it several times, over 60-something times uh, in the New Testament, depending on what translation you have. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it has to do with uh, kind of what Heiser talks about, this already not yet, that you know, it's the power of, of heaven or you know, the power of God through his people. And that it's not some kind of established, organized government, but it's just people doing the will of God on earth and doing things like spreading the gospel or helping people, whatever it is. Right. And that's sort of the, the precedent that's set. It's not so much like, oh, we must set up this court and we must rule with an iron fist and all that stuff. Uh, the actual true biblical theocracy, if you're going to even you know say that word and, and suggest that it's going to come into fruition at some point mm -hmm. is when jesus returns and he's actually ruling you know yeah. on earth again that that will be a sort of theocracy but at that point if it's god himself ruling then hey i'm okay with that you know hey hey <laughs> hey all right uh but in the meantime race wars the race wars race, race, wars. Wars. race war i've warned you and warned you and warned you 
This is a rather quick update. This is faithwire.com. Black Lives Matter org deletes about page calling for disruption of nuclear family. Mm, and yeah. that was one of the big uh, talking points from uh, the BLM website was in the about section. They were talking about all oh, down with the patriarchy down with, you know, what does it say? I think there's a quote here. Uh, quote. Disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure to dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work, as well as foster a queer affirming network by freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual and uh, I mean, it's, who it's, believes that? I don't know, but it's just the whole <laughs> Nobody thing. Nobody believes that. The whole thing was ridiculous, and I think there's a reason. I mean, yeah, th- this is like too late, you know, too little, too late PR for trying to convince those who uh, would sit on the other side of the fence to this whole movement. But we've talked about how you know the organizers of BLM uh, are not only self-admitted trained Marxists, but also involved in some pretty. Uh, pretty freaky spiritual, dark occult spiritual practices, and right. so uh, you don't the need use of any hashtags of hashtags as uh, manifestation spells, right? And things like that. Yeah. So yeah, they can delete this page, this about page, and it doesn't matter. You're you're sort of you're not going to convince certain people to support this organization. Right. And uh, that's why, you know, I wonder why they took it down. I mean, was it just causing too much trouble? They've I, had it up during the peak of their I popularity. Know. I think maybe because one of the loud voices f- against the, the language there was a, a pretty well-known uh, African-American uh, sports commentator. Um, mm-hmm. What was his name? Marcellus Wiley. I think, I think he played football and he came out and he, he basically said like, I think we played the clip maybe even a few episodes ago where he was just saying, I, you know, I, I agree with the whole concept, but then he went to the website and he looked at the about page and he's, you know, reading how it's tearing down the nuclear family when he knows through experience that, uh, the reason why there's so many broken homes in the African American community is because Mm -hmm. there's no father around, you know, that kind of thing. So, and he lived that growing up. So he's, he was really shedding a light on the, the problems there with the about page. And so maybe it got into the ear of the organizers and they were getting similar types of sentiment from the African-American community. Uh, and so, yeah, take it down, take it down, take it down. Got to hide that information. PR move. PR move. PR move. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, and you know, that's uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, the damage has been done already in terms of right riots and and all that stuff and the social movement and upheaval so who cares really at this point but yeah just something to 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 shed a light on that they're uh maybe maybe they have feelings over there the organizers of blm maybe they have they're still human crazy (laughs) there's a shred of humanity you know those like movies (laughs) or like anime where they get taken over by something and then like for a moment they like they like remember who they are they're like humans you know, and then and then they go back to being monsters. It's like one of those moments, maybe. Wow, what a very specific. <laughs> I can't think of the, the cultural touchstone. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of the show that I'm thinking, but anyway, it doesn't matter. All right, one more quick uh, race war update here. The race wars. Race wars. Race war. I've warned you and warned you and warned you. 
And this one, again, the damage has been done. And the uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. NBCNewYork.com. DOJ designates New York City as an anarchist jurisdiction. So it's mm. officially an anarchist jurisdiction. Uh, New York City is one of three places that, quote, have permitted violence and destruction of property to persist and have refused to undertake reasonable measures to counteract criminal activities, leading to its designation as an anarchist jurisdiction, the Justice Department said Monday. And, of course, Cuomo is, uh, you know, denying it. That's uh, interesting. That's a that's a pretty big move, actually. <laughs> it is. And here's Cuomo's response. I understand the politics, but when you try to manipulate and distort government agencies to play politics, which is what the <laughs> Trump administration has done from day one, this is more of the same, Cuomo said on a conference call with reporters. Quote, the president can't supersede the law and say I'm going to make those funds basically discretionary funds, which is what he would have to do. If they actually do this, we will challenge it legally and they will lose once again, he added. And uh, the other places that got the same label, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. Yeah. So, Anarchist jurisdiction. I wonder if that's a legal term or just a descriptor. I don't but know. I, it seems like a, a category that, yeah, the, keeps the government, the, the federal, federal government, federal government from yeah. being obligated to uh, f- give funding. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, mm. you know, this is like the, the, on the face of it, it's it's kind of that discussion of, okay, how much power do we provide the federal government over state legislation? Uh, you know, it's, it's an ongoing debate, but also these places are being burnt down, or, or at least parts of those cities. Yeah, uh, I really like the, the irony of uh, Cuomo sort of uh, with disdain saying <laughs> how he's trying to make us play politics. <laughs> Oh, how the horrible a politician, <laughs> politician making the po- other politicians play politics. It's your job, Cuomo. And, and the governor. Yeah. Yeah. The governor saying it too. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So there you go. And Those are your, uh, your quick updates on all the madness happening in the world. And yeah. of course, it, uh, it, it doesn't end because we, we got a pretty wild story here today. Gets even bigger, Gons. Cha-ching. <laughs> All right. Well, Gons, you've heard it. We've all heard of some some big stuff going on in the world of money, money, money. And interestingly enough, spearheaded by BuzzFeed News. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, folks, we're over here on BuzzFeed News and they have put together uh, a very intense and <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to say it it's just an intense uh, special little page on their website filled with animations and long drawn out uh, yeah. graphic descriptors and things um, but Gans I'm talking about the FinCEN files I know and they actually even changed their little avatar on Twitter uh, yeah. I think I took a picture of it and it's basically it's turned into for BuzzFeed news let me try to pull it up here. Uh, it says FinCEN files, and it's it's just like a, the all-seeing eye, basically, in the middle right. of it, which is like, okay, so what do you what do you mean? Are you for it or against it or what what's <laughs> going on? But yeah, BuzzFeed News, I'm going to try to pull it up here on the screen. 
Yeah, uh, for those of you and who this are is just so everybody's aware as we go into this. This is one of the biggest. Uh, now, of course, there's not too many things we didn't already know about if right. you listen to this show, but it's the biggest sort of public uh, display. I mean, I mean, take into consideration the Great Reset, the financial ruling elite, uh, the global chess game that is, you know, geopolitical financial movement. Um, and of course, we all know how corrupt the banks are, but this is like the biggest public display of these sort of secret worlds. And so let's get into it, Guns. This is the FinCEN files. Are you going to go through the, the graphics? Or are you just going to go? I wasn't, I wasn't going to, should okay. I? Eh, no, you don't have to. It's, it's just, you know, I mean, they, they went through a whole here. thing to put together a whole spiel. Yeah, you, do you want to put down a, a, like, do you have an ominous music bed? Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me see if I can find uh, nothing. Nothing. Hold on. No, not slow jam. Funky loop. <laughs> Funky loop. Uh, rain ambiance. Rain ambiance could do it. Okay, dun dun dun. Money from drug cartels, organized crime rings, corrupt leaders, money that funds terror networks, bloody wars, and human trafficking, all laundered clean. The banks don't stop the money, and the government doesn't stop the banks. Buzzfeed News, The FinCEN Files. <laughs> It's pretty good. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's get into it because it's uh, it's going to be a little long, but uh, that's just because it's so dang important. I, will, I can the, bother you throughout the process. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll cut through it here. So the article reads, a huge trove of secret government documents reveals for the first time how the giants of Western banking move trillions of dollars in suspicious transactions, enriching themselves and their shareholders while facilitating a network of terrorists, kleptocrats, and drunk king <laughs> drug kingpins drunk the u.s drunk drunk kingpins. <laughs> the u.s government despite its vast powers fails to stop it today the fincen files thousands of quote suspicious activity reports and other u.s government documents offer offer an unprecedented view of global financial corruption the banks enabling it and the government agencies that watch it as it flourishes, watch as it flourishes. But BuzzFeed News has shared these reports with the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and more than 100 news organizations in 88 countries. These documents compiled by banks shared with the government but kept from public view expose the hollowness of banking safeguards and the ease with which criminals have exploited them. Profits from deadly drug wards, uh, fortunes embezzled from developing countries, and hard-earned savings stolen in a Ponzi scheme were all allowed to flow into and out of these financial institutions, despite warnings from the bank's own employees. Money laundering is a crime that makes other crimes possible. It can accelerate economic inequality, drain public funds, undermine democracy, and destabilize nations. And the banks play a key role. Quote, some of these 
these people in those crisp white shirts and their sharp suits are feeding off the tragedy of people dying all over the world, said Martin Woods, a former suspicious transactions investigator for Wachovia. Laws that were meant to stop financial crime have instead allowed it to flourish, so long as banks file a notice that it may be facilitating criminal activity. It all but immunizes itself and its executives from criminal prosecution. The suspicious activity alert effectively gives them a free pass to keep moving the money and collecting the fees. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, is the agency within the Treasury Department charged with combating money laundering, terrorist financing, and other financial crimes. It collects millions of these suspicious activity reports known as SARS. I know. Gons. I know. It's of SARS. Course. Of course it's <laughs> SARS. It makes them available to U.S. law enforcement agencies and other nations' financial intelligence operations. It even compiles a report called Kleptocracy Weekly. I gotta, I gotta subscribe to <laughs> Kleptocracy Weekly. That summarizes the dealings of foreign leaders such as Russian President Vladimir Putin. What it does not do is force the banks to shut the money laundering down. In the rare instances when the U.S. government does crack down on banks, it often relies on sweetheart deals called deferred prosecution agreements, which include fines but no high-level arrests. The Trump administration has made it even harder to hold executives personally accountable under guidance by former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein that warned government agencies against piling on. But the FinCEN Files investigation shows that even after they were prosecuted or fined for financial misconduct, banks such as J.P. Morgan Chase, HSBC, Standard Chartered Dutch Bank, Deutsche Bank, and Bank of New York Mellon continued to move money for suspected criminals. Suspicious payments flow around the world and into countless industries from international sports to Hollywood entertainment to luxury real estate to Nobu sushi restaurants. They filter into the companies that make familiar items uh, from people's lives, from the gas in their car to the granola in their cereal bowl. The FinCEN files expose an underlying truth of the modern era. The networks through which dirty, money's, uh, dirty money traverse the world have become vital arteries of the global economy. They enable a shadow financial system to, uh, so wide-ranging and so unchecked that it has become inextricable from the so-called legitimate economy. Banks with household names have helped make it so. BuzzFeed News' investigation shows that, first bullet point, standard chartered Standard Chartered moved money on behalf of Al Zaruni Exchange, a Dubai-based business that was later accused of laundering cash on behalf of the Taliban. During the years that Al Zaruni uh, was a Standard Charter customer, Taliban militants staged violent attacks that killed civilians and soldiers. HSBC's Hong Kong branch allowed WCM777, a Ponzi scheme, to move more than $15 million even as the business was being barred from operating rating in three states. Authorities say that the scam stole at least $80 million from investors, mainly Latino and Asian immigrants, and the company's owner used the looted funds to buy two golf courses, a 7,000-square-foot uh, mansion, a 39.8-carat diamond, and mining rights in Sierra Leone. Bank of America, Citibank, J.P. Morgan J Chase, American Express, and others collectively processed millions of dollars in transactions for the family of Victor Krupunov, 
Uh, yeah, Krapunov, the former mayor of Kazakhstan's most populous city, even after Interpol issued a red notice for his arrest. Krapunov, uh, who had already fled to Switzerland and who claims the allegations are politically motivated, was later convicted in absentia on charges that included bribe taking and defrauding the city through the sale of public property. The banks mentioned in this story said they could not comment on specific transactions due to bank secrecy laws. Their statements can be found here. By law, banks must file suspicious activity reports when they spot transactions that bear the hallmarks of money laundering or other financial misconduct, such as large, round-number transactions or payments between companies with no discernible business relationship. SARS are not by themselves evidence of a crime, but FinCEN directors Kenneth Blanco has called them, quote, vital for law enforcement investigations. Information from millions of these documents feeds into a single database through which law enforcement officers can summon detailed financial information with a few keystrokes. The FinCEN files opens a rare window into this vast system of financial intelligence, unmatched in the world, but all but unknown to the public. The SARS themselves are so closely held that members of the public cannot obtain them through record requests or subpoenas, and banks are not allowed even to confirm their existence. Prior to this reporting, very few SARS had ever been revealed. The FinCEN files encompass more than 2,100 of them. For more than a year, BuzzFeed News and its partner news organizations across the world mined the information on these tens of thousands of pages to map more than 200,000 transactions. In all, suspicious activity reports in the FinCEN files flagged more than two trillion dollars in transactions between 1999 and 2017 western banks could have blocked almost any of them but in most cases they kept the money moving and kept collecting their fees suspicious activity reports are written by the bank's financial crime watchdogs or compliance officers who are often parked in remote offices and left to make a sense of a vast number of transactions with very few resources writing sars with little research or verification. BuzzFeed News' research went much further, including reams of internal bank data, thousands of pages of public records, hundreds of interviews with sources across the globe, dozens of Freedom of Information Act filings, five public record lawsuits, and requests for three federal courts to unseal records, all to piece together the intricacies of a financial system that is largely hidden. BuzzFeed News is not publishing the SARS in full because they contain information about people or companies that are not under suspicion, but who are swept up in the bank's searches. A subset of the documents is being published with redactions to support reporting in specific stories. After the Treasury Department received detailed questions about the FinCEN files investigation, the agency released a statement saying that it was, quote, aware that various media outlets intend to publish a series of articles based on unlawfully disclosed suspicious activity reports. It continued, quote, the unauthorized disclosure of SARS is a crime that can impact the national security of the United States, compromise law enforcement investigations, and threaten the safety and security of the institutions and individuals who file such reports. The agency announced that it was referring to uh, the matter to the Department of Justice and the Treasury Department's Office of 
Inspector General. In a subsequent letter, FinCEN's general counsel said that disclosure of SARS can make banks less willing to file them, which, quote, could mean law enforcement has fewer potential leads to stop crimes like human trafficking, child exploitation, fraud, corruption, terrorism, and cyber-enabled crime. FinCEN did not respond to the repeated invitations to discuss security concerns. So wait, Send a, before, yes. you, before you go on here. So basically, sure. are, they, are they saying... FinCEN doesn't like, or, or or they didn't like the, or I'm sorry, the Treasury Department didn't like that the the information was going public because it would cause criminals to not or. Hold on. I'm trying it's to the same thing that they say about every, you know, piece of information that they don't want out, which is it's a national security risk. Right. If criminals know that they're on some sort of list, they'll try to cover their tracks and it'll be harder to catch them in the future. But n- no action is ever taken on these things. Well, that's, anyways. that's what I'm saying. That's the it's, whole point. That's what I'm saying. It's weird because they're like, oh, wait, a, yeah, this yeah, we don't want this is unauthorized. It's a national security issue. No, it's obvious. Which is basically them uh, saying, hockey. yeah, well, that is basically them saying, well, then, cause, cause then they'll stop doing it. They'll stop exploiting. Right. So, so far what we have <laughs> is the government and banks and criminals all on the same team <laughs> helping to move money around and uh, not get people in trouble, which of course we've known forever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the fact that this is. You know, coming out to the public, much less from BuzzFeed. I mean, I will give BuzzFeed. I will give the credit to BuzzFeed here. Over the years, now there's a lot of problems. They're just basically another mainstream media outlet. They but are. Uh, well, we you know, know they went from making listicles and figuring yeah. out what kind of uh, bread you are to actually spearheading a, a pretty important story here. Yeah. Um, again, not one that's been unknown, but one that uh, has not had some sort of mainstream credibility to it. Well, I think part of it too is because they, of course, everything is orange man bad. So I think yeah. the, to, to the people that are not paying attention to the details, they'll say, oh, look at what the orange man is allowed to happen. Oh, sure. And turn and the blind all eye. All sorts of other uh, concurrently running stories to connect it. Yes. But the fact of the man is the fact of the man. Fact of the, the man. fact of the matter uh, and the man is that, yeah, I mean, of course, Donald Trump <laughs> is part of that system. I mean, he's uh, you don't get that rich and you don't become president and you don't. Uh, I mean, the Deutsche Bank is one of his biggest lenders. Um, so, yes, yeah. of course, Trump is going to be wrapped up in this. But uh, I have there's no reason to speak as if he may be innocent. Oh, I know. <laughs> regarding any of this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I, I pulled up a clip here before we go on and we've played this clip before, too. Let me see if I can. It's a clip of a clip, but this is a uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin uh-huh. insists cash isn't used to do bad things. This is from this is uh, published on Altcoin Daily back in December of 2019. But listen to uh, listen to Steve Mnuchin here deny that the dollar is ever laundered. Problem if <laughs> if we decided every time that cash itself or or any other form of of currency every time it's used for some nefarious activities if we weren't going to use it anymore. I, I'm not sure that, that maybe it's a little easier at this point in the technology for, for certain illicit activities, but 
that 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 can't be the reason, um, you know, to, to say you're not going to use something. We wouldn't even use cash then, because cash is, is laundered all the time and used for nefarious. Act- That's all we've ever used for nefarious activities, and we certainly had plenty of them. Mm. I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate at all. The cash is laundered all the time. We have the strongest AML system in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes on, talks about the anti-money laundering AML process. It's strong for you and I. Yeah, but not but not for the banks, not for the the actual banks themselves, the people with a lot of money trying to move stuff around to do their whatever. But anyway, I just thought I'd pull that clip up and remind us of of just the nonsense that has been spun publicly for years. So it's kind of yeah. refreshing to know that, you know, almost a year later, at least it's somewhat mainstream that this information is out there, but we also have to remember why is it going public now? What is the reason exactly. for We're exposing get themselves here? But anyway, go on. Senator Ron Wyden, a, num- a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, which requested some of these SARS, said the FinCEN files investigation, quote, reinforces the fact that we now have two systems of law enforcement and just in- justice in the country. Drug cartels move millions through U.S. banks. Poor people go to jail for possession. Quote, if you're wealthy and well-connected, you can figure out how to do an enormous amount of harm to society at large and ensure that it accrues to enormous financial benefit for all of you. Robert Mauser, uh, Mazur, a former federal special agent and an expert in money laundering, said that making this material public, quote, could enhance national security, aid future investigations, and encourage institutions to more consistently adhere to SAR filing requirements, and, quote, will hopefully get people who are in a position of power to correct an apparent systemic failure. Yeah, good luck on that one. <laughs> Uh, then it moves into uh, a historic opportunity based in the United Arab Emirates. Mazaka General Trading, uh, Mazaka General Trading presented itself to the world as a wholesaler. But between March 2013 and April 2014, the company received nearly 50 million dollars from five companies involved in a Russian money laundering ring that manipulated international stock trades. Man, get me on that uh, newsletter. In May and June 2014, it received more than $4 million from a Singapore company that appears barely even to exist. It was also sending and receiving money from British firms located at 175 Darks Lane, one of the world's most notorious addresses for shell companies, which are a common tool to hide ownership. These transactions by Mazaka General Trading, which the Treasury Department later declared to be part of the Kanani Money Laundering Network, a group that has financed terrorism and drug cartels around the globe involved business and businesses and people far from the shores of the United States. But as the money pinged around from one bank to another, it was all being tracked and it would all be reported to the Treasury Department. Because the U.S. dollar is the lifeblood of international finance, the common denominator between the world's disparate currencies, banking customers around the world need to access it. But only select banks are licensed to conduct dollar transactions. So smaller banks in other countries partner with larger institutions, which exchange their customers' as pesos, yuan, or dirham for greenbacks. Mm, 
I don't think we can say greenbacks anymore. It sounds racist. For a fee, the arrangement known as correspondent banking helps keep the global economy humming. As they pass through U.S. banks, these transfers give the Treasury Department a vantage that no other country has. It shares some of that information through the Egmont Group, a little-known coalition of financial intelligence units from more than 150 countries and territories. SARS have provided Egmont members with financial details that would be otherwise unattainable, such as those concerning former Olympic Committee member Lamine Diak, who was sent, uh, who has been sentenced to prison for crimes connected to the Russian doping scandal, and the Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska, who was sanctioned by the U.S. two years ago. Deripaska has sued the U.S. government, maintaining that he is an innocent victim of politics. But if the database is a powerful asset to law enforcement investigators, Investigations to privacy advocates, it is a nightmare of overreach. Congress created the current SAR program in 1992, making banks the front line in the fight against money laundering. But Michael German, a former FBI special agent who is a national security and privacy expert, said that after 9-11, the SAR program became more about mass surveillance than identifying discrete transactions to disrupt money launderers. Today, he said, quote, the data is used like the data from other mass surveillance programs. Find someone you want to get for whatever reason, then sift through the vast troves of data collected to find anything you can hang them with. In 2017, when U.S. congressional committees began investigating the last presidential election and other matters, they, too, turned to the Treasury Department database. They requested SARS on the Deutsche Bank, which had loaned Trump money. Christopher Steele, the former MI6 agent who wrote the so-called Trump dossier, an array of Russian oligarchs, Trump's former campaign chairperson Paul Manafort, and even a small casino in the Pacific run by a former Trump employee. All told, they were looking for information on more than 200 entities. FinCEN unearthed tens of thousands of pages of documents. Those documents, along with a few additional SARS requested uh, by federal law enforcement authorities, make up the majority of the FinCEN files. Some were never turned over to the committees that requested them. A person familiar with the matter blew the whistle to multiple members of Congress. The collection does not include any SARS about Trump's finances. A source familiar with the matter told BuzzFeed News that FinCEN's database did not contain SARS on either Trump or the Trump organization. That's actually pretty impressive because it sounds like they have stuff on everybody but Trump. Uh, And though the documents show suspicious payments to people in Trump's orbit before and after key moments in the 2016 presidential campaign, they do not provide direct information on any election interference. Because the searches were so broad, however, they revealed something that uh, most in Congress hadn't even been looking for. Evidence that the world's biggest banks kept doing business with clients that they themselves suspected were facilitating terror and corruption. The information was laid out in transaction by transaction, and it had been there all along. Yikers. I so tried of course to tell you. We got to get a nice, uh, a nice big, uh, you know, Trump shout out in this whole thing. But pretty impressive. Now, I have a hard time believing that uh, some of 
Now, uh, you know what? I didn't put it in today's episode. Maybe it will do it again. But I, somebody sent me a report um, about how you know Trump's main uh, real estate investments um, have uh, a whole bunch of foreign governments renting space mm-hmm. in those towers. Uh, so you know he's like literally getting money from uh, the government of Qatar and China and stuff, right? being paid in like millions of dollars of rent, just renting these spaces and how, uh, that, you know, there's nobody in the office. They just rent like two floors of a tower and nobody is actually using it. So very suspicious there, but, uh, that's besides the point. Um, any updates before we hit the last little leg here? No, not really. I mean, yeah. we don't have to go through all of it either. It's a lot of it is just more details on how, the banks yeah yeah we may or may not go through the whole thing but the fact of the matter is that and now i not even referring to the information in this article or the information that might be contained within these SARS, the suspicious activity reports um the making it i mean this is a deep dark secret uh between governments and banks and uh, and criminal organizations, but the fact that it's even going public is, uh, you know, it deserves a little bit of analysis because we're in this place where a huge movement to restructure everything in the world. I mean, and it's even connected to Flippy. It's connected to robotics. It's connected to the automation of industries as a whole. Um, You know, and of course, all leading back to the Great Reset, which is the sort of new world order uh, (laughs) nuclear bomb of uh, restructuring the, the economics of the entire world. Um, but you know, this coming out now can and will serve as a, a hard evidence demonization of the current, uh, financial system, which, you know, on one hand, I gotta, I can't, I can't argue with, and I can't even be mad about it. I mean, it's it's frustrating as anything in the world. The fact that, uh, you know, banks are basically legally allowed to knowingly launder trillions of dollars for criminal organizations, which include politicians of all shapes and sizes. Um, And, you know, they're legally allowed to do all this and uh, nothing gets done about it, which is part of the reason, you know the world is in such a sad state of affairs. Yeah. And I have a clip of Klaus, the W E F founder. Mm -hmm. We must prepare for an angrier world. Uh, but, and and this is a, this Klaus Schwab guy is just, uh, my goodness. I mean, if you want like a villain character in, in, in the world, in terms of just people, (laughs) this guy just sounds and looks like a villain. I'll play a, f- a couple minutes of this uh, from back in July of 2020 from CNBC mm-hmm. International. Uh, he's talking about the Great Reset here. I don't know how it will play out in uh, November, but what we know is that we will end up with many more unemployed and uh, particularly also people in the gray economy, which are not counted for, uh, who lose their jobs. So we will see 
definitely a lot of anger um, already now, but probably increased by the end of the year, uh, because this crisis will be with us until we really have found a remedy. So um, we have to prepare for a more angry world. And uh, okay, this is this is in July during the height of like the riots and all that stuff going on. Right. And this guy is standing here. We're going to have to ex- accept an angrier world, an even <laughs> even angrier world than we have now. Like, <laughs> dude, what are you talking about? But OK, let's right. go on for a little bit. Longer. How to prepare. Uh, it means to take the necessary action to create a fairer world, um, to see that uh, we provide everybody with uh, decent access to the health system, um, that we make sure that those people uh, who are really left behind, uh, and I'm not speaking only on national levels, I'm speaking also internationally. If I see now uh, the tragedy in some of the emerging countries like South Africa, like some countries in East Asia, I think it's all, uh, I, I don't have too many remedies. The, the remedies have to be discussed through dialogue by the stakeholders of our global system. But um, I just see the need for such a dialogue and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. There you go. Great reset. Great reset. We must have great reset. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, to put it into a spiritual context, I mean, if you want to talk about powers and principalities, you know, this is the structure. This is a global structure that is basically the altar of mammon. Oh, yeah. You talk about global banking and the I mean, it really is its own sort of entity, even if you just look at it in sort of a materialistic worldview, you know, even the structure itself and everything going on within it is like this this, uh, you know, little G God uh, that affects everything in the world, can control, you know, empires rise and fall with this global banking system. Mm-hmm. And of course, in a spiritual perspective, you know, there's an actual spirit or principality be- behind that. But take into consideration that, you know, people will lay down uh, sacrifices on this altar. I mean, financial, global finances, using banks, participating in this system, all while, you know, your sacrifices, putting your money in a bank and those banks use it to, you know, make investments and uh, get involved in all sorts of industries uh, is facilitating like true evil. I mean, the banks facilitating knowingly and on purpose uh, money laundering that's supporting terrorism, supporting uh, human trafficking, yeah. supporting, you know, all these things, just interaction with this altar of mammon, uh, you know, in a material, real way, as well as spiritual, but in, in an actual physical way, uh, aiding and perpetuating evil, just evilness. Yeah. Not just terrorism and human trafficking, but all sorts of awful things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so to see that exposed in a public way, um, you know, it feels like some minute sense of victory. However, uh, you know, it could very well just be a uh, a strategic 
retreat in order to facilitate you know the the next big thing it's which the, is the great reset it's the solution to the the you know the hegelian problem. dialectic yeah, the yeah. problem reaction now they're offering a solution especially with this type of exposure but yeah i mean you talk about the merchants of mystery babylon you know revelation right. 18 exactly. and the stuff they're trading they're they're trading human souls and this guy here, this Klaus guy is sitting here. Oh, the stakeholders need to have a conversation. <laughs> how about no? How about, how about that's been the problem? The stakeholders yeah, the problem all- is stakeholders are just that stakeholders. <laughs> they're stakeholders. And they, they're the ones that benefit from allowing evil to flourish. Yeah. You know, stakeholders talking does nothing but uh, get them all on the same page for the master plan. And I like how he's like, oh, I really don't have a solution. Oh, we, just, we have great reset. <laughs> it's like the whole thing is straight out of a comic book. But I think I think you're right, and I think the the suspicions with this whole thing being exposed in this article, this FinCEN files and BuzzFeed getting a a tip and you know going all in and exposing this fraud and all this corruption going on, they they have to be at a point where they're ready to really hit the reset button. Yeah, totally. Because otherwise, they would not let this out. They would not allow a mainstream publication to publish this information and right. expose themselves effectively unless they're yeah. ready to tear it all down. And this goes, right. yeah, this goes and back it's to all that story. part of the plan, meaning yeah. that, yeah, they, they have the response ready and the response is this, uh, uh, um, mono monopoly hegem- hegemonic, uh, what we consider the new world order globalization, unifying all of the financial uh, dealings and organizations, because, you know, instead of having a hundred big banks sending their, you know, sending stuff around and hiding transactions, if you have one single big bank, then there's no separation from which people to hide things from each other. So the answer to all of our problems is a global one world currency and banking system. Yeah. And part of it has been, I know it's been part of the plan of the elite because they've said it as much. And I always go back, go watch the beginning of age of deceit three. And Mm -hmm. I quote manly P hall in his final lecture at the Masonic hall, which was recorded on audio. And he's sitting there talking about how in the 21st century, we will, Oh, the Brotherhood has been long at work. They're going to route out the corruption, just like all the, the Brotherhood has done throughout the centuries. And they're going to usher in a Prince of Peace. So that, that's the other side of things eschatologically, which is pretty, pretty fascinating, to say the mm-hmm. least, is that these people are preparing for a big exposure and a big reset and all this kind of stuff in, 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 as a process, as a means to provide a quote unquote prince of peace and present some savior figure to the world because whoever you know fixes it presumably is a, a savior type figure even in like a especially in, in a secular type of context where oh man this guy really figured out the whole banking thing and now all the banking is all you know it's all clean and everybody's the wealth is redistributed and 
you know, human trafficking is down and all these dark networks have been exposed. And uh, hey, starting to sound like starting to sound like a Q narrative, doesn't it? <laughs> but but the, yeah, imagine that. Yeah, so I think I think this is all part of the plan. Uh, as nice as it, you know, it's a small victory in the sense that we get to say "I told you so," but it comes kind of uh, at a point at which it may be too late for some people to realize exactly what's going on. Because if you mm-hmm. if you uh, if you are too in, you know are too happy about this whole hey I told you so then you can get blindsided by what they're planning to replace everything with so you know just got to yeah. stay watchful stay sober minded right. and so just to just to um figure out if we're going to move on or, or complete this it goes through another 10 paragraphs of uh you know pointing out individual banks and individual uh, you know criminal organizations and and transactions that they've allowed to go through and stuff like that so we'll kind of skip over that i recommend you uh you know it's a good it's a good article to educate yourself on um but let's jump down real quick i'm going to go to the second half of the can it be fixed um section and basically let's see here the most powerful way to fix the problem might be the simplest arrest the executives whose banks break the law the bankers will never learn until you start putting silver bracelets on people uh, Pelletier said, think of the message you're sending to repeat offenders. These guys know what they're doing, said Thomas Nolner, a former regulator with the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. You break the law, you should go to jail, period. That approach was once the norm. Quote, back in the 1980s and 90s, even into the early 2000s, the government went after CEOs all the time, said U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff, who has been an outspoken critic of weak penalties for white-collar criminals. In the past, the CEOs of Enron, WorldCom, and Tyco were all sent to jail for what they did, he pointed out. Now that's deterrence. Rakoff went further, quote, under U.S. law, a bank that engages in money laundering can literally be forced out of business by the government. And it is kind of surprising that the government hasn't taken that step, given the obvious deterrent effect it would have. Ultimately, the power to keep criminal profits from being laundered through the U.S. financial system may not reside in the actions of a bank's compliance office or its computer systems or even its executive tier. It may not reside with banking regulators or federal prosecutors or FinCEN. It may not even be a matter of national policy alone. Shutting down wayward banks could have an impact on the whole economy. For the U.S., its major trade partners and beyond, when other countries find their banks under U.S. scrutiny, they step in. In 2012, Standard Chartered and HSBC were facing criminal prosecution. George Osborne at the time, the UK's Chancellor of uh, the Exchequer, I have no idea what that is, Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, wrote to the chairperson of the U.S. Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, and Federal Secretary Timothy Geithner to discuss his concerns that uh, that a heavy-handed response could have, quote, unintended consequences. He warned of a, quote, contagion. Mm. The implication close one bank and the whole economy could suffer. Prosecutors stood down. 
Again, you don't mess with the altar of mammon. Uh, Mazur, the former federal special agent and money laundering expert, says there are a mosaic of reasons why U.S. authorities let the money keep running, but one of them may just be that it finds its way into too many pockets. Quote, even if it's bad wealth, it buys buildings, he said. It puts money into bank accounts. It enriches the nation. So there you go. Uh, After all that, they just say, well, let's arrest the bank. And, you know, this could play into the Great Reset being, you know, it sounds like, you know, most of, if not all of the major banks are involved in this. And uh, technically, legally, the government does have the ability to put banks out of uh, business. One way to, you know, create the one, uh, the, the hegemonic monolith of banking that could rule Uh, Not just the country, but the world being shut down all the banks and force them all to conglomerate into one uh, financial system. And how do you get the people not to fight that, especially the CEOs at the top? Eh, Arrest them all. There you go. Now you get to make room uh, to consolidate the financial power of the world. So there you go. Big deals, man. So what do we do? What can you and I do? Buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin. Buy, buy silver. <laughs> I have my my silver shield coins here. Mm-hmm. I have the Putin. I don't know if you can see the Putin coin. Oh, I am not looking. Kind of kind of hard to see. Do, 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 hard do, do, to do, do, do. make it out. But there's a there's a there's a Putin coin, and I also have the Hillary uh, Vote Prison 2016 silver coin. Ooh, it's a good Maybe one. Maybe we should make a Canary Cry silver coin. <laughs> yeah, good idea, Basil. <laughs> <laughs> Should have done that when silver was fourteen bucks an ounce. I uh, know. What's it at now? Is it up at thirty somewhere? Uh, twenty thirty. Yeah, twenty something. I think it went down. Everything yeah. crashed today, so everything. There was a big pullback, probably yeah. because it freaked people out when the story came out. Well, it is. I mean, this is the story. I mean that that is openly being reported as the story that caused the crash of of several markets this morning you know it came out last night or something and uh yeah it's really freaking people out man which i think may be having the intended effect yeah it looks like silver in the last 24 hours well everything dipped i lost a couple dollars in the last 24 hours so that's pretty big for silver oh no back down to 24 bucks an ounce but yeah you know uh as as Peons in the system, you and I, mm-hmm. and maybe probably our listeners, unless uh, George, George Soros, unless you're listening, I'm just picking one out of, or, or Billy Gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do other than to protect what we can uh, with, you know, or what's available to us, which are gold, silver, uh, land. Uh, but even then, you know, a lot of that's. I don't know. It's debatable. You can protect your land with guns. That's one way to do it. Uh, and so you can grow your own food and things like that. But I mean, that that's in the carnal sense. You know, obviously this is a, if you look at it from the eternal spiritual perspective, uh, this is all seems to be going to plan. And I feel like uh, there's a reason why the scriptures talks about a mystery Babylon that gets rich and fornicates with all the nations and the whole thing is destroyed and all the merchants of the earth weep when they see. Yeah. I mean, the uh, banking system really fits a lot of those descriptors. Yep. 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 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you Okey go. Okie dokie. Sounds good. Well, there's we spent a lot of time on that, but we it's did. a big story. And I, I know it's not as exciting as uh, robots taking over the world, but this is going to be a, a really big impacting force on the future uh, just of the world at this point. The world. Uh, the world. So, Gons, uh, we got a lot more to talk about, but I think we should take a real quick break. Let's do a quick break. Yes, it's wake up oh, time. Oh, no, it's not wake up time. It's break time. It's, it's opposite. <laughs> That's right, folks. We're going to gonna just uh, take a quick break, just a really quick one. But after the break, we got some stuff to talk about, some uh, COVID-related news, and uh, we'll see how much time we got. But we got some cyborg and transhumanist news as well that we need to get into. Uh, so stick around. Very important stuff after the break. But we want to take a second to thank our producers for this episode, as well as us as our new Twitch followers. Gons, you got your dinger ready? Uh, getting there. One okay. out here. All right, we got it. All right. Okay. I'm going to start by thinking Black Whales. Ah. Uh, what? <clears throat> black Whales. whales ah. Oh, like Black. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Crazy Llama 5. Llamas are cool. Jesus Haas 1. All right. Layla Darling 1221. Jumping Jehoshaphat. Ooh. Scream me something beautiful. Catfish Willie, 76. Sounds like a, <laughs> a little bluegrass song. Oh, Catfish Willie, 76. Uh, Joe O's. Sounds like a cereal. You said that last time because uh, I just said that one twice. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yes, that's the end of the list. And Joe O's got the second shout out. And... An identical comment from Gons. Thank you uh, for following us over on Twitch. If you haven't done it yet, you should follow us at uh, twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. Turn on notifications. It's a great way to... you got to follow us on multiple platforms or else you're going to start missing episodes. It's just how the internet works nowadays. So thank you very much to our Twitch followers. Next, I want to thank some of our producers. And uh, if you're new to the show, you might be thinking, what do you mean producers? This is a live stream and a podcast why do you need well here's the deal folks uh we subscribe to the value for value model and let me tell you i got a fun little story here for you guns for those who don't know the value for value model means we put out our show we do it for free we try to we do the best job we can and we just try to do it pretty pretty consistently we're pretty good at that so far and uh you know we don't do advertisements we don't do anything like that instead we give uh listeners the opportunity to become producers not for giving donations or anything you're a, you're it's just like the real world. Any sort of media that you help create financially, you are a producer. You can put it on your LinkedIn, put it on your resume. We will vouch for you. Um, so, and people love doing that. So that's good. Um, and part of the reason we do this is because advertising is part of the work, part of the problem. It's part of the, uh, I consider it part of the, the, the altar of mammon, you know, because, what it does is it incentivizes people to 
consider their audience as a commodity to be uh, collected and grown. So essentially you can turn around and sell that commodity, sell your trust, your attention to an, uh, a corporation so that, uh, you know, for our own personal gain. And that just isn't right. It's part of what's wrong with the world. It dehumanizes you, the listeners. It dehumanizes the creators of whatever content you're getting into. And uh, Gons, a, a great example of this just happened. Um, as we always say, you know, when it comes to advertising, you're then pressured to become brand friendly, which limits what you can and can't say. It limits the topics that you're allowed to talk about uh, without fear of losing your your uh, income. And, you know, we just recently got some, we get emails all the time of people saying, that's stupid. I hate it when you talk about, when you beg for money, just do advertisements. I don't mind listening to advertisements. And that's you, you are brainwashed. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying begging for advertisements is you begging to have your own attention commoditized and manipulated against you. And here's one example, Gons, is the Joe Rogan example. Just recently, uh, he came out because he had talked about people getting arrested in Oregon for setting fires for arsonists. And of course, you know, some people are saying it's connected to Antifa or whatever. There's been sheriff's departments come out and say, no, no, we don't expect this to be connected to Antifa. There's no reason to assume that right now. Um, And Joe Rogan mentioned it on his show and then came out the next day and took it back. And uh, there were articles. Yeah, he had to come out. He apologized for saying that, uh, you know, there were arsonists involved with these fires. But there were. I I know. There's it's it's not. It's not conspiracy theory. There's been somewhere like eight to 12 arsonists arrested and written about in the mainstream media and booked and their mugshots are available. But so (laughs) for all intents and purposes, Joe Rogan wasn't lying, but he had to come out because he's got his hundred million dollar deal with Spotify. He does 10 minutes of advertisements at the beginning and end of every show. Uh, But no, you can't talk about certain things when you are in the financial system like that. He came out, apologized, says he he read one story about an arson, but there's no arsonists. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And uh, and there was articles written in Vanity Fair. I mean, crazy, (laughs) huge mainstream stories uh, about Joe Rogan's apology for talking about arsonists in Oregon. And you know why that happened? Because he's under the thumb of big money. He's under the Mm -hmm. thumb of Spotify. He's under the thumb of his advertisers. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm not here to promote Joe Rogan, but he talks about a lot of crazy stuff on his show. Um, but, you know, he came out and talked about arsonists and he got somebody gave him a whooping and he had to come out and very publicly apologize for talking about arsonists. And that's what happens when you put yourself under the authority of advertisers and under the authority of, you know, other paid programs. And that's why we 
uh, are on the value for value model. There are no corporations in between us and you. This is a this is funded by the people for the people, and that's Gons. Why we want to thank our producers because uh, that is the only reason we're allowed to talk about the things that we talk about on this show. It's the only reason we're allowed to espouse our own ideas about things that go against the official narrative. So I want to start by thanking our new Patreon producers over at patreon.com slash ccnt and they are as follows. First of all, I want to thank our new producer, Brandon. Thank you very much, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. And next, I want to thank our new producer, Joe. Joe Rogan? No, not Joe <laughs> Rogan. Um, actually, he's one of our new uh, Twitch followers. So thank you very much, Joe and Brandon, for the support over on patreon.com slash ccnt. Now, we also have patreon.com slash canarycryradio, another place where you can support us. And uh, I want to thank our new producer, James. All right. Thank James. you very much, James. And then also, we got Joe coming in on that Patreon account. Same Joe. Joe coming in twice, two different places. Thank you so much, Joe. We appreciate that. Joe, now, not Rogan. Not Ro Joe, not Rogan, your new producer name. <laughs> So there you go. Thank you, Brandon, Joe, James. You guys are the reason we're allowed to talk about what we talk about on this show. Now, if you don't like Patreon, that's okay. A lot of people don't like Patreon. You can head to canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. If you don't like Patreon, canarycryradio.com slash support. Both of these links will be popped in the chat there for you. If uh, you feel the call to participate in the rebellion, the rebellion, the resistance um, and help out the show. But we got PayPal options. You can come in at a, a monthly uh, subscription or if commitment's not your thing, you can go ahead and make a, a, a support amount in any amount that you want as well as cryptocurrency and stuff gons who do we come in, who do we have coming in over at uh, the website there all right so for canary cry radio patreon we have alex coming in at 33 dollars thank you very much alex and uh, not to be outdone jonathan as well with 33 dollars the 33 donations coming in strong uh but also we got a, I think this is still a, well, yeah, it is. It's I think this counts. Yeah, it counts. $33.11. Ooh, in now for, it's getting shady. I, I think you pronounce it Axel? Axel. Yeah, I think Axel. Like Axel Rose, the Something lead singer like of Guns N' Roses? Spelled differently, but Spelled yeah. Different, okay. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much, producer Axel. And also, this was one that uh, apparently we forgot a few episodes ago, but we're doing it here now, making it up. Caleb. Thank, thank you, Caleb. you very much, Caleb. And thanks for the, the email keeping us posted. Yes. And uh, and I was just I was going to say thank you to Joe because he gave to both uh, News Talk and Canary Cry Radio. But you were talking about Joe Rogan, and all I can think of was that old song by Jimi Hendrix, Hey Joe. Do you know that song? Yeah. Hey Joe, where'd you get yeah. that gun in your hand? You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I think they're, he was looking at what's going to happen to Joe Rogan. 
go crazy you know dude i again i really have no horse in the joe rogan race but i feel sorry for the guy man he is control i mean i i don't know much about him but a lot of our producers have told me he's been controlled for a while but when i saw him having to come out and make that apology for an objective fact (laughs) with police records and mug shots and he had to come out and and apologize and bend the knee to whoever's paying his bills uh that was really kind of a scary situation made me really thankful um that we do it the way we do it and even more thankful for the individual producers that that help create the show we couldn't do it without the producers right there you go and yeah. um other ways you can help produce the show uh, we also accept cryptocurrencies as a hedge against the Great Reset. The Great Reset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also accept jingles, which we did receive a jingle. Um, you know, this is not the greatest quality, but uh, hold on. I got to pull up the name. I totally forgot the name here. Do you have the name of the person who sent us this uh, goodbye jingle? Nope, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. I okay, can I'm gonna pop into the email. Yeah, I'm gonna play it and then uh, we'll thank him. This uh, the volume is a little low on this, but uh, he we were told to use it as an outro. Mm. Uh, so here it is. It is time to say goodbye once more. But as Lagonzo will return very soon. <laughs> Very good. Who sent that in? What is their name? I'm trying to pull it up here. Let me see. I found the email. Let me make sure I don't dox this person. I think it's okay. Y-Man? Yep. Y-Man. Y-Man. Thank you, Y-Man. Yeah, we'll need to play around with the levels a little bit to uh, make that uh, serviceable, but uh, but very good. We appreciate people sending stuff in. I don't know why, but it reminded me of the the ride at Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion. Kind of sounds like... (laughs) It does kind of have that vibe, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe we're supposed to be in a haunted room. When oh we do man, this podcast. I want to. I did like the haunted mansion. I have a very vivid memory as a kid riding the haunted mansion, and and the no pun intended here, but the ro- roller coaster of emotion. I would get terrified, <laughs> and then like super entertained by like some dancing ghosts, and then terrified again. <laughs> Good old Disneyland, occult wonderland. That's right. The other um, thing, uh, oh, yeah. we, we always uh, have art, and we uh, today we have one piece of art that came in. Thank oh, you. One art, please. There we go. <laughs> and it's from Ali Gazelin Bonds in the you, chat. And this is Basil 2020, better with Basil. See the future <laughs> through rose water colored glasses. This is the... Uh, presidential campaign for you basil apparently she's ba- better with basil yeah. that's a great campaign slogan. oh i know yeah what what's the one they're using now with the the globalists build back better. build back better right yeah build back better with basil <laughs> <laughs> thank you ali very prolific producer of ours always coming in with the uh, show related art and we appreciate that gazel and bonds in the chat we all thank you very much much um and yes of course in this art there's a cat on my head and uh, a cat again who have all been uh, uh, uh confirmed to have been writing all my scripts sitting on a a box that says basil's campaign script 
So very good. Hashtag Ooh, Monty. Yes, this cat's wearing hashtag Monty 2020. Very good. Um, okay, there you go. And if you're an artist out there and you want to create some art for the show, you can send that to canarycryradio uh, at gmail.com. There you go. All right. Uh, are you done? Um, that's a good question. Let me look at my notes real quick, make sure we're all good. Of course, we want to thank, uh, that night wind yes. producer that night wind for sending us time codes. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, after the live stream, there'll be time codes up there uh, that are relating to each topic that we talk about. So you can jump around and don't have to listen to all the nonsense. Um, and thank you to that night wind for your diligent work at helping us with that. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. I just do want to say again, you know, this, this Joe Rogan thing, I don't want to harp on it too much, but it really, really, uh, strengthened my position, you know, especially cause we got some of those like, mm, stop begging for money. Just run ads emails recently. Um, they really got me down. And then this Joe Rogan thing happened. I'm like, that is exactly why we do the things the way we do. So if you're out there and uh, you haven't helped produce the show, or maybe you have already, um, it's really, uh, it's really a powerful experience. I've done it with a few of the shows that I've listened to become an actual supporter of the show. You take some ownership, you feel closer to the show, you value it. You know, there's something about it. You start valuing it more, uh, which is this great sort of circle of life thing you value the show so you support it and it makes you value it even more um so if you've been sort of toying with the ideas of supporting with us supporting us becoming a producer um you know now's the time because we don't want to turn into a joe rogan and have to apologize for everything we do on the show you know weird thing just a peek behind the curtain uh for the patreon.com slash ccnt you know, we've really had a great year changing our format like this and people jumping on board and, and supporting the show. It has been so up and down on September, uh, you know, for every basically for every person who's come on and become a producer. We've had one delete where we're actually have had a total of three dollars in growth <laughs> for this uh, this month. Uh, after all the deletions. So I don't know. It's a weird month. I don't know what's going on, but we appreciate those who come on and help balance that out for us. Um, so yeah, if you've been toying with that idea, uh, give it a little prayer, bring it up in prayer. See if you're led to support the show. We really can't do it without you guys. It is all right. It's a great reset, Basil. It is the great reset. Uh, how about we great reset uh, this and get back into the show? Yes, it's wake-up time. Hey, yo, wake up. That's right, N folks. Nice transition. Yeah, you like <laughs> Let's that? Let's great reset the show. I'm, I'm a professional <laughs> broadcaster. <laughs> All right. Okay, what do you want to do? You want to start with this? Uh, you want this? You want to start with this? Uh, I got a couple things this? here from the, uh, the Rona front. Okay. Perfect. Speaking of uh, saying something and then taking it back, uh -oh. this is uh, Yahoo Finance through MSN.com. Thank you, no mm. paywall. 
Coronavirus update. CDC changes, then deletes new guidance on airborne transmissions. Uh, Classic. Classic. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, on Monday sowed confusion over its stance on the airborne transmission of the coronavirus by publishing and then removing new guidance that suggested the virus can spread beyond the six-foot parameter that's become commonly accepted in social distancing policy. Uh, Of course. Yeah. The agency pulled the new guidance, which marked a significant shift in understanding of how the virus has spread. Previously, the CDC said the virus spread through direct exposure and inhalation of droplets only within about six feet of another person. But recently, scientific research has advanced the idea that infected aerosol particles can linger in the air for longer than previously thought, something the CDC appeared to acknowledge before it quickly reversed itself, saying the new language was posted by mistake. According to epidemiologist Dr. Eric Fagelding, uh, a new develop uh, the new developments mean that six feet may not be enough of a distance, oh, especially no. especially in indoor spaces, and that there had been growing convergence on that point among scientists around the world for months. But the CDC's reversal, even if temporary, is both shocking and expected. Fagelding said, "Quote: <laughs> I don't understand." What there is to politically gain by denying the existence of aerosol transmission. At this point, trust in the CDC and FDA are just so woefully deficient, he told Yahoo Finance Monday. The CDC's heads. It always has. I know, that's what I'm saying. It depends on, you know, different (laughs) sides. If it, yeah, if it affirms your bias or not, apparently, according to a fingalding. The CDC's head-spinning shift stirred new controversy in the increasingly politicized battle over how the U.S. is addressing the COVID-19 crisis. The agency has come under fire for its contradictory messages on testing asymptomatic carriers, masking, and the rapid moves to develop an effective vaccine. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to get into the rest of it here, but there you go. So what was the the switcheroo? They said it... They said that it, uh, they said it was that at the, six feet. Yeah, it was at six feet and they said it was, it was, you know, it was a problem. You need more than six feet and then they pulled it back. Oh, and so we're back to six feet. I think we're back to six feet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. They're like, no, we must keep the six, 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 <laughs> six, six. Uh, so there you go. That's the first, um, quick update on the coronavirus. And, okay. uh, but by the way. I don't know if you've noticed on, and this goes hand in hand with the value for value model here, because we can sit here and say COVID-19, coronavirus, and we don't really care anymore. At least I don't care anymore because at least for the YouTube channel, it's demonetized. So there's no ads running on this channel anyway. And if there are ads running, I'm not making any money off of it. Yeah. Uh, And on actually let's real quick. I don't want to stop you. Keep your thought. Um, Some people, depending on where you are in the world, Mm -hmm. you might get uh, ads on the podcast version. We don't get any of that. Yes. We, 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 there, if you are getting an ad on our show, it is without our consent and there's nothing we can do about it because we don't have like a legal fund to fight that. Yeah. Um, So yeah. yeah, if you're hearing ads on the show, that is taken that's done by somebody else and they are taking the money we don't get any of that i think stitcher does that you know they play ads before the european union itunes if you're in europe on itunes they apparently just get to put ads on it and we don't see any of it yeah messed up messed up 
Yeah. Uh, but what was my point here? Oh, my point was that, yeah, because of the, mo- the value for value model, we can just say coronavirus, COVID-19, and uh, the algos will freak out, but they, they won't matter because we're not you know, advertising on this channel. Yeah, we and, don't uh, lose funding for it. It's really sad to watch some of the YouTube channels that I watch avoid the word coronavirus or COVID-19, like the plague. They'll yeah. be like, hey, you know that, uh, that, that, that thing everybody knows about, 19, you know what I'm talking about? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Like every time <laughs> they have to say, it's so annoying. It's just like, Same just, with, just um, say it. The word vaccine. Yeah, vaccine. And, and some businesses. There are some algorithms that if you talk about Disney, they'll find they'll get you. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I know Soros was probably one of them too, which by the way, we didn't talk about it, but there was a big weird moment on Fox News with Soros, like two days yeah. after we did the Tyranny Soros Rex episode. Right. And then all of a sudden uh Newt Gingrich mentioned Soros and a couple people were like, don't mention, was, I don't think we need to mention Soros. And then it, it was like bizarre. dead air, dead air for a couple minutes while the, the anchor got some, some words in her ear, which I by know, the way, I yeah, can... we don't have producers in our ear either. Uh, <laughs> in that way, or worse. Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> Although, uh, I guess the chat can sometimes act as that. Yeah, you guys we are producers. We have producers sitting here chatting with us. Yeah. A little different, different yeah. context, but there you go. Uh, also, this other story was very interesting. This was thedailybeast.com under Deep Red State. A notorious COVID troll actually works for Dr. Fauci's agency. <laughs> and I, had, I love this picture of Fauci with his mask and the Rona, you know, stenciled in the background. Just, right. ah. The managing editor of the prominent conservative website Red State has spent months trashing U.S. officials tasked with combating COVID-19, dubbing White House Coronavirus Task Force member Dr. Anthony Fauci as a mask Nazi and and intimating that government officials responsible for the pandemic response should be executed. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, baby. But the writer, who goes by the pseudonym Strife, or Streif, is Strife, isn't just another political blogger. The Daily Beast has discovered that he actually works in the public affairs shop at the very agency that Fauci leads. William B. Cruz is, by day, a public affairs specialist at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, but for years he has been writing for Red State under the Strife pseudonym. And in that capacity, he has been contributing to the very same disinformation campaign that his superiors at the NIAID or the NIAID say is a major challenge to widespread efforts to control a pandemic that has claimed roughly 200,000 U.S. lives. Under his pseudonym, Cruz has derided his own colleagues. See, this is a part where this, this Daily Beast piece itself is propaganda. Right. Under his pseudonym, Cruz has derided uh, his own colleagues as part of a left-wing anti-Trump conspiracy and vehemently criticized the man who leads his agency, whom he described as the, quote, attention-grabbing, media-whoring Anthony Fauci. (laughs) He has gone after other public health officials at the state and federal levels as well, quote, the public health Karen Waffen as he's called them over measures Karen such as yeah, yeah over measures <laughs> measures such as the closures of businesses 
and other public establishments and the promotion of social distancing and mask wearing. Those policies, Cruz insists, have no basis in science and are simply surreptitious efforts to usurp Americans' rights, destroy the U.S. economy, and damage Donald Trump's re-election efforts. Quote, I think we're at the point where it is safe to say that the entire Wuhan virus scare was nothing more or less than a massive fraud perpetuated upon the American people by experts who were determined to fundamentally change the way the country lives and it's organized uh, and is organized and governed. Cruz wrote in a June post on red state quote, if there were justice, he added, we'd send uh, and, uh, and uh, a few dozen of these fascists to the gallows and gibbet gibbet. Uh, gibbet their teared bodies and chains until they fall apart. Lovely, lovely, lovely words. Cruz's authorship of the posts, which the Daily Beast was able to confirm through public records, social media postings, and internal records from the National Institute of Health, NIAD's parent agency, is a remarkable break from the public positions of the agency that employs him in a public relations role. This is very interesting. So Daily Beast saying that they confirmed this through public records, which they don't say which public records, social media postings. Mm. I don't know what that means. Did he shares some of those articles. I don't know. Uh, and internal records from the NIH, uh, which is a remarkable, a remarkable break from the public positions of the agency that employs him. Uh, and it illustrates the extent to which the response to the pandemic has become deeply politicized, even within the agencies at the front lines of fighting it. Cruz isn't just a civil servant anonymously disagreeing with, the bo- uh, with his bosses online. He's actively undermining their work and even suggesting retribution against them. But while Cruz may be one of the most remarkable cases of a government official contributing to the misinformation campaign around COVID-19, He's hardly the only one doing so. His most scathing writings about the coronavirus came over the summer as other Trump loyalists in the nation's public health bureaucracy sought to undermine the work of some of the government's foremost scientists. The Daily Beast, this is where I have highlighted here. The Daily Beast could not definitively determine whether Cruz was writing for Red State. What? Or posting to his Twitter account. While on the clock at his government job. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah. okay. So maybe, all right. So here. they're saying. <laughs> no, I get it. I get what, he's, what they're saying. We think maybe he did this, but we're just going to say it. But also, we don't know for sure. But wouldn't that just be delicious if he was? Yeah. And then it says, the, the, but the vast majority of his writings at the site this year has been published during the work week often during normal business hours, raising questions about the ethical use of taxpayer resources, which, okay. All right. Daily beast has to know that anything that's published can be published on a schedule. Number one, right? You don't, you don't just because you hit publish at a certain point in time, or you can, you can delay it. You can say, Oh, publish this at 3 PM. So this right. like criticism is sort of. Un- well, can I tell you my theory on this? Sure. I think it's on purpose. 
I think I, oh, yeah, uh, that's what I think. I think this is controlled opposition. Yeah, he's he's in the government. He's infiltrated the sort of alternative media or whatever in order to uh, you know. It's just going back to the Hegelian dialectic that they're framing it as. Isn't this awful that this alt right conspiracy theorist made it into the government? But no, what it really is, is isn't it awful that this government agency is infiltrating alt-right conspiracy theory zones, in their words, not right. my words, right. um, in order to uh, stoke the fires of division and contention uh, yeah. to, to move forward with, uh, you know, cracking down on control and dividing people and, uh, you know, conquering the minds of our citizens. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, and the whole thing goes into how long this guy, Strife, has been writing for the Red State, which I think it mentioned at some point that it was as early as like 2005, 2006. So the long play on some of this stuff, which goes to show, and, and, and you know, part of it too, the things that he wrote for the Red State were pretty extreme. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the mask Nazi thing. Okay, that's one thing, but like, yeah, you know, well, killing him. Even, and- even the Nazi talk, you know, yeah. I think that that's a direct uh, propagandistic uh, category for the government. And of course, we say it all the time. Propaganda was made legal uh, for the government to use against the people. Um, it was reinforced back during the uh, Obama era. And so, you know, you, you really got to watch out what's coming from the government, what's propaganda, what's this, what's that. And this seems, this more than likely, in my opinion, is a propaganda piece uh, by the government in order to, you know, keep these divisions going. Yeah, keep it going and also stoke the fire of the, the right-wing, alt-right, whatever you want to call it. And right. give them, give them, it's almost like giving them what they want to hear to stoke the flames. Right. And uh, this is absolutely propaganda. State sponsored propaganda machinery. Machinery. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> yep. All right. Very good. Well, um, I got a couple of little transhuman, uh, transhumanism updates here for you. Uh, this is newseu.cgtn.com. CGTN, I'm not really familiar with that outlet, but interesting thing here. Mind control devices that can solve paralysis. Just a little uh, update on this whole thing here. Uh, quote, how can we use the power of artificial intelligence to help our biological intelligence if it's affected by disease or injury? This is the question that led Aldo Faisal and his team at Imperial College London, a very active uh, institution in AI transhumanism, to build a technology that will allow people uh, living with paralysis to perform real-world physical actions via a brain-computer device controlled by their minds. Paralysis is often the result of spinal cord injuries, which prevent brain signals from traveling to the rest of the body and making the limbs move. The idea behind the project is to develop a brain-computer interface that will be able to, quote, automatically understand what the brain is thinking and translate that into actions for the brain. As Faisal, head of research, explains, signals from the brain are picked up through an electroencephalograph. 
a technique that requires electrodes to be attached to the scalp. Tom Nabarro has 64 of these electrodes attached to his head when Razor speaks to him about the technology. Nabarro, who lost use of his limbs after a snowboarding accident in 2007, is working with the Imperial College team to train for this year's Cybathlon. Whoa. Yeah. The World Championship of Robotic Systems, at which people with disabilities compete to complete everyday tasks using state-of-the-art technology. Scientists team up with pilots like Tom, people with real disabilities who test and advance their new technology. Quote, for me, it's been an amazing experience, says Nabarro. The event itself has only just started. There's never been anything really like the Cybathlon. People call it the Cyber Olympics. And it's something that has only just happened because now we're at a stage where there's uh, so much assistive technology. During the preparation for the Cybathlon, the brain-computer interface needs to collect data about brain signals corresponding to the certain movements, but the human brain is a very complex system. It's made up of about 86 billion neurons or nerve cells, which are largely responsible for the way we think, feel, and act. Each connection sends signals or fires at the average frequency of 4 to 10 hertz or 4 to 10 times per second. Some even fire at a rate of 300 to 400 hertz. This is a huge amount of output. So the pick, uh, so to pick out certain information within a mass of noisy signals is a difficult task. It's incredibly noisy to give you a sense, and it would be probably like whispering in a typhoon or something like that. Explains the research uh, chief Faisal. Artificial intelligence is able to spot trends and patterns through all this data and filter out blah blah blah. Tell me more about the Olympics. There you go. Long story short, the Cybathlon guns. It's a cyborg Olympics. I I was going to say, what if people that don't have disabilities go in and compete? Are they going to be like ostracized? Like, hey, you have control of your full limbs. That was that's an equivalent argument to trans people in sports. I think Uh you've got uh, trans women, men who become women and then, uh, you know, go into wrestling and win every single match. I could imagine well, that uh, it'd yeah, be a but, similar problem. Yeah, but no. Because, well, I, I get what you're saying, but also if it's just based on brainwave activity mm-hmm. or brain activity in general, mm. then uh, that's it, a good point. You know, it shouldn't really matter if it's all brain based. It wouldn't matter if the person is paralyzed or not, right? Or if they're male or female, presumably, unless you right. know, maybe they believe that they're weaker or stronger. Oh, don't or even. I'm not even going to touch that, guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. you need to separate men and women in the cybathlon cybathlon cyber olympics there is no gender in the transhuman future after the great reset <laughs> uh there's another story here very quickly and then we'll do the cern thing real quick and then we'll call it a day Okay. Uh, this one from the dailystar.co.uk and <laughs> Daily Star. Uh, the headline, New Blood, Computer Brains, and Frozen Heads. Ooh. How Billionaires Will Live Forever. How did I know billionaires would be the next word in that? Uh... I know. <laughs> uh, I, I won't read the whole thing, just a couple paragraphs here. Over the past year... The gap between the super rich and the rest of us has grown wider than ever before, but the difference between ordinary people and billionaires might be more than just money. 
The mm. high net, uh, some high net worth individuals have been looking into extending their lives far beyond the 70 or 80 years most of us might hope for. Peter Thiel, for example, the billionaire co-founder of PayPal, has invested in a number of medical research startups looking, uh, looking extending life expectancy. Uh, did I read that wrong? Has invested in a number of medical research startups looking extending life expectancy through the breakdown. His th- what? Uh, I'm, oh, I'm gonna call it a typo. Ty- that's a typo for sure. There's no way that word, those two words should be next to each other. One of the company's longevity obsessive deal has bankrolled is Ambrosia. Have you heard of Ambrosia? Mm-hmm. Ambrosia is one of the three outfits looking at experimental vampire blood transfusion that put the blood of young people into the lens of oldies. That sounds... Oldies. <laughs> Oldies, but also they call it vampire blood transfusions. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we reported on Ambrosia when it first spun up a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the blood, uh, if warm blood can't make you immortal, what about freezing it instead? The chilling, uh, the idea is chilling a body to postpone death until a future society has the technology to repair any injury or illness. We know about that. And uh, Thiel, his PayPal colleagues, Luke Nosick and U.S. talk show host Larry King are all known to have signed up for freezing at the point of death. That explains everything. Oh, man. Yeah. His cold heart will be frozen even more. (laughs) They're going to put him in the cryogenic thing and they're going to be like, we haven't turned it on. He's already frozen. I love how this is starting to make its way into sort of the social justice arenas, this Mm -hmm. transhumanism thing. Where it's kind of similar to the uh, medical, the healthcare debates, you know, healthcare is for everyone. It's a human right. Well, soon getting vampire blood and freezing your brain is a human right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it goes through Elon's uh, Neuralink. Freeze me, baby. And then American futurologist Paul Sappho predicts that the multi-billionaire class could evolve into a separate species entirely. Quote, Whoa. I sometimes wonder if the rich can live on average 20 years longer than the poor, he says. That's 20 more years of earning and saving. Think about wealth and power and the advantages that you pass on to your children. I think 20 years. I like how years. they have to make that an economic uh, issue. Yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, access to the finest foods and exercise equipment money can buy will definitely make anyone live a little longer, but one of the bizarre ideas could just make a few eccentric billionaires effectively immortal. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. Um, All right, want me to end this this thing? Yes, and... uh, Last one. Last one, I actually don't have a true... Uh, jingle for it, but uh, I'll just I'll just do this one. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's right. A little CERN update here for you, folks. This is from PhysicsWorld.com, and it reads like this: CERN's emissions equal to a large cruise liner, says report. <laughs> uh oh, eco warriors. 
Yeah. Greenhouse gas emissions emitted by the CERN Particle Physics Lab near Geneva in 2018 were 200, whoa, 223,800 tons of carbon dioxide equivalent, whoa. similar to the emissions from a large cruise liner. That is according to the lab's first public environment report that details the status of CERN's environmental footprint and outlines some objectives to reduce it in the coming years. The report finds that three quarters of these emissions came from the fluorinated gases used for particle detection and cooling of the particle detectors. Covering the years 2017 and 2018, the report underlines the scale of the challenge that CERN faces to reduce its emissions. Quote, it has provoked debate and increased the environmental awareness of all the people who work here, as well as our user community. User community? <laughs> Who's using CERN? Oh, a lot I of people. Be, what do you mean? For portals? Portal <laughs> transportation? Yeah, they're just, you know, they're summoning all those demon De gods. Demon adoption? Yeah. You didn't know about this? <laughs> I wasn't signed up. Uh, and made us think hard about what we do now and how we design the next generation of accelerators, says Friedrich Bordry, CERN Director for Accelerators and Technology. Quote, it's really positive that CERN staff are being transparent about their impacts and what they have set themselves an absolute reduction in emissions target as opposed to a greenwash style intensity metric. What? I have no <laughs> idea what that means, but okay. The report covers everything from uh, noise and biodiversity to water use and radiation. Comparing all these aspects, reducing the use of fluorinated gases will have the greatest positive impact, and the report sets out a path to do this, such as repairing gas leaks in the LHC. Oh, great. <laughs> They're fix just those gas leaks. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. Let's fix some gas leaks. Optimizing gas recirculation systems. Uh, the ultimate goal is to replace fluorinated gases in the detector cooling systems with carbon dioxide. Isn't that the exact <laughs> thing that we don't want to use? What? Okay. <laughs> whose global warming potential is a few thousand times lower. Oh. Quote, when we built the Large Hadron Collider, we didn't appreciate the global warming potential of these gases. Our main concern was the ozone hole, says Bordry. Yeah, what uh, happened the to the ozone hole? It's fine. It's put got put back together. Didn't oh. you remember that? I thought it was... I no, the ozone was totally saying... fine. 100% fine now. Nice. I thought <laughs> yeah. it was a, a pretty holy... No, we're back. The facility has set itself uh, an objective of reducing its direct greenhouse gas emissions by 28% by the end of 2024. The report also sets out for plan to blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Anyways, it, you get it. They just repeat it over and over. There I, you go. CERN <laughs> killing the planet. I, I really would like to see a protest down with CERN. And you have like <laughs> your Green New Deal people on one side. And then you're, yes. they're opening demonic portals on the other, there, and they're yes. together. Finally, they're together. Something that biblical uh, scholars and fringe Christians can team up with the SJW eco warriors about. And and they'll they'll people will meet each other. There'll be marriages, and these babies oh, no. will be very Let's confused. Let's not go too crazy. <laughs> Let's not go too crazy. All right. Well, there you go, Gons. Anything else for today? Nope, just a reminder, here are the Watchmen coming up, and uh, yeah, Shimura 20. 
to get Shimura a discount. 20. Sign up. Be sign there, up. folks. Be there. Be square. Maybe while you're doing uh, your thing, maybe we should do like a, a live breakdown. I'll fact check you. here. <laughs> fact on, check myself. Live stream. Hey, wait a minute. I you. think that's wrong what I said there. <laughs> Let me debunk oh. myself. All right, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Remember, we'll be back another episode on Wednesday, the 23rd. Yes, between sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So make sure to uh, follow us all over the place. Twitch.tv slash Canary Cry Radio. Turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Uh, we'll be back then. And so uh, please remember us. If if you're thinking about becoming a producer, uh, consider that uh, doing that by Wednesday. We'll give you a shout out. We love our producers. Remember, you can put that on your resume, or your LinkedIn or whatever. We will vouch for you. Just give them our email. Um, and really, again, I can't say it enough. After watching this Joe Rogan nonsense, I'm so thankful to all of our producers. And uh, as much as I hate getting those emails from people who just love advertising so much, <laughs> much i'm glad to see uh the support in the chat uh for the way we are doing things it's not easy trailblazing gons doing things a different way um but uh you know i think it's the only way for us to do it so yep. remember us for wednesday become a producer we appreciate you very very much you can go to patreon.com slash ccnt or if you don't like patreon you can head on over to canarycryradio.com slash support canarycryradio.com slash support that's right folks thank you so much now remember uh go ahead and uh, leave a rating and a review we're probably gonna if we get some ratings and reviews we're gonna read them on friday uh that's a very helpful way to support the show if you're unable to help out financially um that tricks the itunes algorithms into uh, sharing the show with other people and that's very helpful um you can just leave a rating five stars and a review tell people how awesome the show is and uh, that That'll help out. You can also just share the show. Press the little share button. Uh, post it on your Facebook, your Twitter, or send it directly to someone you love who is starting to wake up and see the things going on in the world. Uh, this would be a good episode because of um, the BuzzFeed, the, the FinCEN uh, thing. That's going to be a big topic, and that's going to wake up a lot of people to the um, the problems with our current system. And uh, I think it's better that people hear it from us than they're, uh, you know, I don't know, some some other wackos, because um, we'll, we're here to try to connect it to the real stuff that's going on. Uh, you can just share the show, let them know. We will, they're starting to wake up and see that the world is not what it seems, and we'll be happy to help them down that narrow path. And if you need any more more instructions here's what you do you walk right up to him you grab him by the cage and then you shake it the end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted i want to shake things up stir up some controversy rattle a few cages hey stop that don't ever silence me i'm the last angry man a crusader for the little guy leave the bird alone never rattle a few cages the human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Pass Noah. 
That's right, just ask Noah. All right, folks, thank you so, so much. Remember, again, I'll say it again, Wednesday, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I can't wait to meet all our new producers at that time. And so make sure to tune in. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in again. But until then, think outside the cage. Canary in the coal mine.
In the future, humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and